0: the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas, you are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your hosts Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo as we enter into the arena of ideas. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. This is the Word of God.
1: Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christi Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Uh, hello everyone uh, We've been praying for you um, I hope you've been uh, Picking up the past series That we've had um, uh, we, we covered a lot of A lot of information there And, and uh, If you have any questions On that Go ahead and shoot us An email And, and we can um, Answer those things Along the way But uh Brian, sounds like we have got some uh, some interesting news about some listeners over overseas, huh?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I received an email this past week and uh, said that uh, the Bellator Christie podcast had ranked in the top one hundred and twenty, almost the top one hundred uh, listing of uh, podcasts in the genre of religion and spirituality in Australia. And if you consider this, religion and spirituality may include uh, not only uh, Christian podcasts, but it may also include uh, uh, other worldview podcasts. So we're talking about a large swath of podcasts, uh, and even still, the podcast ranked in the top 100 100- Top 120 in some categories And top 110 In uh, overall So we want to thank all of our Listeners uh, down in Australia Uh, We're very grateful And thankful for you And uh, just pray that you continue Supporting uh, Bellator Christie Podcast And uh, also to everyone else Who may be listening to this podcast uh, wherever you may be and Curtis this is the wonderful thing about doing a ministry like this is that we really don't know just who all may be listening to the podcast right. and so right. uh, just an just amazing thing to consider right yeah and
1: that and the, and the fact that these things are archived on the on the website and, and elsewhere and um, to know that uh, somebody can go back and listen to a year ago and listen to what we had talked about because a lot of these things, these topics that we talk that we're talking about, actually are um, you could say evergreen. Um, some of them yes. are an evergreen type topic that that there stay information that is current and up to date, no matter what time of the year we're doing or uh, how many years down the road it is.
0: Absolutely, and I, I like that term evergreen, and that, and that's so true. Uh, and th- this podcast has been around since uh, 2012, almost 10 years. Uh, this podcast has been around it, it was a different format a different name even in the begin in the beginnings uh, but there there's a lot of material that a person can access and um, I, I hope and pray that a person will uh, go back and, and see I mean maybe you have a question go back and check out some of the previous podcasts we've done and uh, you may find an answer there
1: yeah yeah so we got some topics today Um that we're going to be covering, folks. Um, we're going to be talking um, about some some topics that are concerning the church um, today, and and that's kind of what we're going to cover. But first off, we got a question in uh, into Bellator Christy. you want to talk about or uh, answer on uh, on the podcast. So let's go ahead and get after that.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting question from a guy by the name of Alex Smith. He asked the question, he says, I'm confused with the question, does quantum vacuum require a beginning? I saw it in debate with uh, Dr. William Lane Craig and Lawrence Krauss. Dr. Craig put it that a quantum vacuum state itself had a beginning, and that's why the universe is not infinitely old. And illustrates exactly why these universes, multiverse, we that postulate the existence of our universe in some sort of quantum condition can't be extra extrapolated, extrapolated to past infinity. Uh, they're unstable and cannot exist for an infinite amount of time. Also, he also appealed: quantum uh, vacuum cannot exist for infinite infinity in past which was also an in, in implication of BGV theorem. What do you think, expecting your response soon? Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to give a response soon <laughs> as, as he asked it. But, uh, yeah, the, the BGV BVG theorem are, is a theorem brought about by uh, three theoretical physicists, uh, mathematicians as well. They aren't believers, which makes it even more compelling. Uh, but they, they, the theorem holds that any physical state or any physical object for that matter, I would think you could say. Uh, but more likely universe requires a beginning. And so there but Dr. Craig is absolutely right. Uh, the, the, even if there were to be a quantum vacuum uh, which is in the quantum world, that itself would require a, a beginning. Now, some theoretical physicists try to get around this uh, by claiming that the laws of physics operate differently in a multiverse or something of that sort. But what they're finding is uh, theorems such as these, um, first of of all, let me pause here and say that we're leaving the realm of science in this regard and we're going more along the lines of mathematics and um, theories going beyond the scope of what we can observe. Some people would argue that this isn't science. This enters into mathematical philosophy of sorts. But that still shows that even if there is a multiverse, that the multiverse would have to have a beginning. A quantum vacuum would need a beginning as well uh, because you can't have an infinite regress of past events in the physical world. Uh, and that's why the Kalam cosmological argument is so powerful that everything that begins to exist has a cause, has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. and you could push that back to the multiverse and so on and so forth. So the 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 um, shocking and yet um, compelling news, is that all physical universes need to have a start point. And that requires something beyond the scope of the physical realm uh, to bring about the existence of that thing. Hmm.
1: That's way above my head, bud. <laughs> well, say, if it's a vacuum, just unplug the sucker. It. Well, you know, that
0: would be an easy fix to it. Just unplug the <laughs> thing, you know. <laughs> but but ba- basically, sim- 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 you know simply stating that, uh, and to be honest, I don't understand the BGVG theorem, I'm thankful for people who do, but uh, but but this does show, as well as other theorems like this, it does show that the universe itself, uh, not only theorems, but, but certain laws show that um, we have to have something beyond the scope of space and time and chance to account for the existence of anything and I just just so happens in space and time. oh yeah just so happens yeah. that answer has to be something transcendent eternal, all powerful and as we have just finished out in our series that just so happens to be God mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah so on to our questions or our, uh, our topics for um, today um, number one um, I think this is something that, that we kind of really need to bring light to. And I think, um, folks, we just need to keep praying for our pastors um, and what we're seeing. So, um, Brian, let's cover the uh, exodus of pastors um, in the pastoral ministry.
0: Yeah, so we're talking about some, some dangers or modern problems facing facing the church in general. And um, I uh, I haven't been as at liberty as much before as I am now uh to, to speak on some of these issues and I, and I want to say that, I, that that we both say these things out of a love and compassion for pastors and out of a love and compassion for churches uh, this isn't intended to be derogatory or anything of the sort but there are many churches out there and and uh, th- this this is being shown many many times over there are many churches out there that have uh, Extremely difficult expectations for the pastor to live up to. Um, e- expectations really that no person c- can even can even fulfill. Uh, and I don't have all the, de- the all the stats here that I was hoping to have by the time we we had the podcast. But the the COVID situation is bringing to light is bringing to surface. Underlying problems in many, many churches across America. Uh, these problems were already there. It just took a pandemic to shine the light on on the inner recesses of these problems. And because of the extra pressure being placed on pastors, uh, many in um, many people in the know. Have stated that they anticipate that there will be a mass exodus of pastors from pastoral ministry within perhaps the next two years. And there was a, another person, I don't want to mention any names because I didn't get permission to, to mention the names who, who said this, uh, but another person said that I anticipate that it's going to be a lot faster than two years. Other people, other people had said that yes, we are seeing the same thing in our areas. Uh, all all across uh, all across at least the state of North Carolina, and I and I think that goes. I was talking to someone else in a neighboring state, and they said yes, they're seeing the same thing happening there. Um, the reality is is that uh, our pastors are experiencing a lot of abuse. I know in the apologetics world, we we uh, give pastors a hard time because we want to see apologetics. In the church, we you know some pastors haven't been very good about getting apologetics in the church. Uh, but the the pastor a lot of times becomes the scapegoat to whatever ailments the church or the community uh, is facing. And and this is not an isolated situation. This this is true across um, at least across our nation, if not across the world, but at least across the United States. Um, I think there are many reasons for this, um, and some of the reasons we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, but what I would say is that we need to uplift our pastors. Um, I think that some of the problems are stemming from the fact that many churches are losing their uh, the attendance that they once had, and um and and this scares people. We realize that you know things are changing in our world, our our political. I mean, if you watch the debate the other night, my gosh, what a mess we're in politically. Uh, you know, you know, it's that it was like watching a boxing fight more than it was a political. I mean, it was just. I, I'm not going to get into politics. It was just a mess, but. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, uh, all of these issues, people are scared, people are frightened, people are mad, they're upset. and it just so happens that a lot of times the pastor is an easy target and and friends, I, I would tell you, pray for your pastor, uplift your pastor even if you don't agree with him on everything, uplift your local pastor, pray for them because they are going through a lot more than what you could ever even
1: realize. Yeah, do you think that um, comes from, um, having to be, uh, multitasking, good at, good at multiple things, or, or is it because, um, um, it, it, you know, the church's pressure of having to be, um, uh, into program after program and, and people wanting to have these demands on the pastors, um. To provide these opportunities, when really the congregants should be stepping up.
0: I, I think that's I think that's a good point there, Curtis. I think that uh, that very well may be part of the case. I do think that, and every church is different. I, I've pastored four churches, and every church has been uniquely different. they've all had their strengths. They all they've all had their weaknesses, um, and and so not not two no two churches are exactly the, the same. Um, so so I, but I would say generally speaking, I do think that uh, there are many areas where the pastor is doing everything from preaching and teaching to becoming the plumber and the and the construction manager uh, of of the church so I mean I do think there is, there that goes on I do think there's a lot of program based, Situations and scenarios that are endangering the church. I would say that I do think too that we f- expect the pastor to do too much, uh, and this isn't healthy. And if you don't believe me, go back to the Book of Exodus and see what happened. But with with Moses, when Moses was trying to do everything, right? And his father in law who told him, he says, "What you're doing this is not good. good. You you need yeah. to train other people to to take the load off of you." And uh, Jethro, he, he knew it. Yeah. And so yeah. we, we're we doing the same thing to many local pastors that, that the Israelites were doing to, to Moses. And uh, unfortunately, in some places, it's anticipated that the pastor work himself to death, uh, which is not at all biblical. It, it, not at all biblical. But... Um, I think there's that, yeah. Programs. I, I think there's a lot of competition that goes on between churches. I think there's a lot of competition that goes on between pastors. Um, I think that, uh, quite frankly, you know, we want to be seen to be the best. Sometimes we want to be seen to be as the most spiritual. And I, you know, I, I wrote a, an article earlier this week, and it's talking about the transcendence of God and and the humility that comes along with that. You know, I've gone through a lot of studies and I'm finishing out my two classes and the PhDs, providing that I survive the two. Um, Those will be the, the, the last two classes I take in that regard. But there's one thing I've learned through all of this is that the more I know about God, the more I realize that I don't know about God. So we ought to be very humble in that. The more we study God, the more humble we should become. But unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. So I think there's a blend of a lot of scenarios going into it that really uh, make the issues very complex for the pastor. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think I think a lot of it comes down to are we holding that pastor um, at a level that is beyond what he is? Um, as mm-hmm. far as what I'm, what I'm getting at is... Um, more like Superman and less like us.
0: Exactly it it almost, it almost seems, and I've heard people even say this that that many people in the congregation look at the pastors being God's advocate. Now, he, now the pastor is God's spokesperson for you know, quite frankly, but uh-huh. that doesn't mean that the pastor is God. The, uh-huh. the, the pastor is not omniscient. The pastor is uh-huh. not omnipresent. Uh, the pastor is not omnipotent. Uh, the pastor is preaching a message That God has given the pastor to bring And anything that, he, that that the pastor does Is according to what the Holy Spirit Empowers the person to do So the power comes from God But the pastor is not Superman The pastor is not perfect By any stretch of the imagination And so I, I think that, is, that too is part of the problem that we're anticipating the pastor. I mean, I've even seen situations where we anticipate that we expect the pastor to do something that not even Jesus could do, and that's please everybody. Right? Jesus couldn't even do that. Right. And so the level of expectations we place on a lot of pastors are just, are just unethical, quite frankly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because what you said there, um, you know, we're going to be covering this in today's topics as we go along. Um, there's quite a bit of it that you were just saying that we were just talking about that uh, really does um, fall into the next categories. Mm. Um, and I and I I only say that because you know um, we have a you know thank your pastor week, you know, and it's like we should be thankful for for them pastors every day. Our, our pastors are on their knees for the people hurting in the church. They're not even hurt, praying for the hurting people in the church, but they're also praying for the people that 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 you're supposed to be out um, evangelizing or you're supposed to be out engaging into. A lot of this comes on to we expect the pastor to go out and be um the the evangelist and the the sermon prep and um, really that I mean he some of them do that just out of their own love for other people and want and desire out of other people but that doesn't take the burden off of us we we as congregants need to still um, be willing and, and able to step up and and uh, do those things that we're called to do as Christians and, and be disciple makers, we're. It's not the pastor's job to be the the sole di- disciple maker.
0: Yeah, and 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 part of this, I mean, this is multifaceted, and and this may not affect every church in every situation, but in some places, you know, and, and again, I'm not singling out anyone or anything, but I think a lot of times we we have not done church according to what the Bible calls us to do. I mean, because quite frankly. Uh, the, the biblical way of doing it is to have a pastor Have, have even maybe a board of elders uh, As such To, to kind of take responsibilities in different areas And then have the deacons As being the supporters of the church Servants of the church you know, Taking care of, of, of all these other things So that the pastor or pastors Can focus on prayer, evangelism, and discipleship uh, but quite frankly we've got everything twisted and and don't get me wrong I, I'm, I'm I've been a Baptist most of my life I've been in some other denominations as well but we, we a lot of times stress and emphasize autonomy of the church that the church is is self-governing entity but Carl Bart, I've been reading him for a class and and I don't agree with him on everything, but I think he hit the nail on the head when he says that a church, a true church, can never be completely autonomous because the church must have Christ as its head. Christ must be the the overseer of that church. And I think quite frankly, a lot of times that uh, churches and and I'm speaking in generalities here, churches become more like glorified country clubs than they do the body, the hands, feet of Christ. And I may be wrong on that, but it just seems to be that this is something that I am seeing reoccurring um, many times.
1: So so the image I got just now while you were talking was um, what we're seeing today is the, the trailer... The trailer load of, of the church and all the stuff that goes with it, that pastor has got uh, the shoulder straps and the waistband, and, and they're uh, pulling away like a uh, um, it's one of the strong men, you know, the, yeah. the, uh, the weightlifters, you know, um, and they're pulling that weight all by themselves when we're to be pulling along with that, um, but we're not to be necessarily... Um, you could say nobody's supposed to be really pulling it, it to be spirit filled, and to have the church spirit filled, um, we're going along with what's already there, and and it, it, the the load then is lightened by by everybody being spirit filled and moving moving the the thing along by with itself.
0: Well, and, and consider consider the, the format, the typologies that cry, that God gives us in Scripture. Moses had an Aaron, and then he he later had other judges that he appointed. Christ had twelve disciples, and then uh, he had three inner circle disciples. Then he had twelve disciples. Then he sent seventy out two by two, okay, all doing the work. Uh, Christ could have done it himself, you know, because he's God. He could have done it himself, but he appointed these other people to do to share the load. Think about God. I was I've been reading a book or or hoping to get into it a little more deeply uh, by Michael Heiser called The Unseen Realm, and it talks about how in Scripture we see that God has this appointed divine counsel. Did God have to have a divine counsel? Does God have to have angels? No. God can do anything he wants. God is God. Uh, it's not that he has to appoint an angel Or he has to create these other beings To do these different things But yet he did so to share the load I mean God is God He can do all things Well if God did this And Christ gives the example in the disciples Why in the world do we anticipate Or expect the pastor to do everything It To me it's an unbiblical format And I think that's what's wrong with And again I'm not specifying any church This isn't an attack on anyone I want to make that very clear but I think this is the reason why vast majority of churches in our country, at least the United States, I can't speak across the world because I don't know, but at least across the United States, it seems like the vast majority of churches are unhealthy because we're putting a burden on the pastor alone that the pastor was never intended to carry alone. Right.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, folks, we need to pray for our pastors and if you are a pastor and uh, you you want to email in and, and uh, kind of have a little bit of discussion about this, and and we'd love to have have some correspondence there. If you if you want to do that, that would be great. And then, um, you know, if and, you want to remain anonymous or whatever, that's fine too.
0: And and, and I, I want to say, and to be fair too, I realize there are bad pastors out there. And yeah. I realize there are people, there are pastors who have done things wrong, and and there, you know, have been have been pastors who have have done things that they shouldn't have done, and sometimes I think you know sometimes churches may overreact to that, and then you know, and then the next you know, but anyhow, long story short is I you know I realize that there that that this goes both ways, but I think uh-huh. that it the overwhelming sense that I get from a lot of different places is is the is the format that I just mentioned
1: previously. Uh-huh mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important, folks. We need to be lifting our people up that are that are those going to the Lord for us, and we thank we're thankful for you. So, Brian, uh, would you mind praying real quick over over the pastors that we yeah, sure. that may be listening?
0: Dear kind of gracious heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this time to uh, to to go before your throne of grace, and Lord, we uh, want to pray for all all the pastors out there um, for. For those who may be listening to the podcast, maybe they're struggling. Uh, Some of them may be struggling financially. Some of them may be struggling emotionally. Some of them may be even uh, uh, struggling spiritually. But we just pray, Lord, that you'd be with them and guide them and direct them. Bless over them, Lord, and and let them know and let them feel and experience your presence the way they've never felt it before. Guide them and direct them and help them to be to be faithful in everything that that you've called them to do, for we ask all these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
1: Wonderful. So, number two, um, this one's this one's this one's a, this one's a, a big one. Um, it's what we're seeing in the church today is the elevation of humans above God. So, you want to cover that one there, Brian?
0: Yeah, so so uh, there's a song that uh, that you mentioned that we're going to hopefully be covering next week uh, called o, o, Sacred, o Sacred Neck." That's going to go into we'll go into more detail about this coming up next week. But what we're, what we're seeing and this isn't a new thing. Uh, Carl F. H. Henry has written about this. Dr. John Morrison, uh, who I have for Bibliology, has written about this. Carl Bart, many others have written about this, about how we have, uh, over time, moved from a God-centered theology to a man-centered theology. Um, anytime we believe, and, and this this is true across the board here as well, time anytime where we believe that God must need us or God has to have us, our theology is aired. Uh, because we are placing man above God. Because if you think about it, God is the ultimate. He is the absolute. He is the first cause. He's the uncaused cause. And from that, we know that God is uh, the reason that anything exists. If we start saying that it's all about us, then we have taken the focus off of God and then we've placed it on ourselves, and that leads to some very dangerous sins.
1: Yeah. Early. And when one thing I was thinking of, um, one picture that we see scripturally that I was thinking of when, when we were kind of discussing this was um, Moses, uh, when, when, the, when the Israelites were all in the, in the wilderness, and Moses struck the rock when he was told to just speak to the rock.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right? He
1: says, you rebels, are, are, am I, are we supposed to bring water from this rock? Soon as soon as he said that, that's when God said, "You cannot enter anymore."
0: That's interesting. A, that's a very good picture. That's a very good point, there, Curtis. I mean, because that's what we have to understand in in ministry. No matter what our ministry may be, everyone has a ministry. Um, we need to make sure that God is the one who's working, because none of us can save another person. None of us can bring a change in another person's life. Effective changes must come through the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can change a heart. We can't. So to do ministry effectively, no matter what it is, it must be Spirit-based. It must be God-centered and God-directed. Otherwise, we're doing it of our own efforts, and it's not going to bring forth fruit.
1: Yeah, important. So, number three, kind of want to move into this one. I think this one's going to be a good one here. Um, you have a, uh, a survey that you have, a survey of evangelicals, um, and like to hear about that.
0: Yeah, so um, this, is, this is coming from Christianity Today. This is, the, uh, this is written by Caleb Lindgren. This is a September eighth, 2020 uh, article called State of Theology. Evangelicals hold steady on doctrine, more outspoken on politics. One of the mo- more interesting dynamics. Now, it's, it's we odd that he says hold steady on doctrine because there is a there's a great shift we've seen uh, in in the way evangelicals. Now, let me just give this caveat: when we're talking about evangelicals, we're talking about people who profess to believe that Jesus is the Savior who expressively believe expressively believe in the gospel message salvation coming through by grace through faith calling upon the name of Jesus we're talking about evangelicals are normally considered to be more on the conservative end of the spectrum okay well now in a question that was new to the survey this year a sizable minority of 30% of those with evangelical beliefs do not believe that Jesus is God But instead think that he is merely a great teacher While 66% disagree with the claim It's concerning that nearly a third of those With evangelical beliefs Do not believe that Jesus is God Nearly a third of evangelicals Now I think I had previously mentioned I had, I had erroneously mentioned that it was 50% it's, it's actually closer to being a third uh, of evangelicals. But even still, Curtis, that is a large number of evangelicals, individuals professing belief in Christ, who do uh-huh. not hold to the divine nature of Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. It, I, uh, I wonder, now this kind of goes into the whole pastor part of it, but I wonder what's being preached at the pulpit then. What, it- what's being preached that, they're, that they are not... Um, in yeah, fully understanding the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Well, speaking of Holy Spirit, just under, underneath that was another statistic that I hadn't seen until just now. Just under half of evangelicals, evangelical respondents, 46%, this is a higher percentage, nearly half, 46%, believe that the Holy Spirit is a force and not a personal being. Now, this is down from fifty six percent in twenty sixteen and fifty nine percent in twenty eighteen. At one time, this was over. This was almost sixty percent of evangelicals believe. Are you believed. kidding me? No, oh, according to this, I mean, if there is good news, has come down, but yeah, it, but yeah. this has gone down from fifty nine percent down to forty six percent.
1: Right. It, I I also kind of wonder now. This is because this touches at the heart of of this ministry is. The core core belief of this ministry is that apologetics plays a huge role in how we understand God and His actions in 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 life, in our lives, and in our, in the lives of of every churchgoer out there.
0: Absolutely, most certainly. Yeah.
1: So, my my wonder is: are the Bible studies that we're quote unquote having? Are they being fruitful in in helping people understand who God is, what God is, and what He's doing in our lives? I, I that's the big question.
0: I don't think they are. I, I think on the one hand, we're not really digging deep into Scripture anymore. Um, I mean that that's why I'm I'm at least for the meantime. I don't know how long. Um, I, mean, I have some Bible studies that I've prepared and doing them on Wednesday nights. I may need to move move the day and time that I'm doing them. I may, may need to move them on the weekends. I don't know. That's up for you know. I don't know how that's going to work you know right now. But you know, but that's why I want to continue doing them. I mean, I may have to. I don't know how it's going to look uh, after I finish this series. But hopefully, you know, have another series coming up soon. But but the reality is, is we're not getting deep in Scripture and uh and that's a problem we're not digging into the depths to 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 the to the uh, minds of scripture and we're 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 preaching very shallow theology and it's beginning to really show right. it's, it's like cotton candy it's right. it's all air and sugar it's sweet to right. taste but there's no substance to it
1: right i heard a pastor once say and this was i thought one of the greatest analogies um are we, are we going to Sunday just to get through Monday? Or are we going to Sunday to give us food to then hunger for the rest of the week?
0: Th- that's a great question. And I think, I, th- I think he hit on a great point there because, quite honestly, I think sometimes we're wanting quick fixes. But we're, we don't have – look, it, it comes down to this. Everybody wants to be a teacher. Everybody wants to be a leader. But in reality, if you're a disciple of Christ, we're all students of of the Most High. To be able to teach, we must first know how to learn. To be able to lead, we must first know how to follow. We've got to follow behind Christ. We've got to constantly be learning. And so. We we've here again. I think it comes down to humility, and I think it comes down to the aspect of of knowing that there's there's never you can never know too much about God's word, and mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we're distracted. I don't know. There's there's a wealth of reasons out there, but the reality is, is we need to get into the meat and potatoes of God's word.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I know a guy that's been in. I won't say who it is, but he's been in God's word every day of his life for 40 plus years since he's become a Christian. And he says it is amazing to him. And he reads big chunks of scripture um, a day. And he says it's amazing to him how each time he's going through the Bible that it touches him. In a different way than with the last lap he made around the scriptures, it, it, it's it's it, it is truly living and active, and it is true. It, it's it's a it's a timely book, but it's also a timeless book. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's 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 something that when you find the desire in the scriptures to learn more and learn more. It, it, it just does nothing but just changes your worldview it changes your heart it changes um, how you hear a sermon um, because you know I mean uh, I can tell you from from just asking my children um, you know driving home what you what'd you learn what'd you learn in this sermon this week and I'll get <laughs> one of them as a different different take on it but some of them that I do know um, they don't listen to anything or do anything um, with with it all week long and and so we'll have these discussions throughout the week try to spur this and talk about it and and they just don't they just don't engage with it but um, there are others there are other kids that, that, that I have that that Man, they can tell you everything that the pastor said and, and how it's affecting their life and how it's affecting what they're doing. Um, and, and so I can see it just firsthand in what... And I'm talking, you know, I've got... I got, I even have a three-year-old, so, I mean... <laughs> so to talk to her about what, what she heard, you know, it's it's totally different. But, um, you know, the, some of my older children, they... Um, it's a 50-50 bag there. What they've grabbed out of the sermon that week.
0: Well, and, and Kevin Van Hooser wrote a book. He's talking about uh, taking an Augustinian approach to Scripture, and I think he has a point in in the book because he talks about Augustine believed that there was one meaning to Scripture, but there were multiple applications, and and. I think that shows partially the the power of Scripture. Uh, And this comes from the Holy Spirit, that while, yes, there is one meaning to the Scripture, and we need to get the literal meaning of the Scripture in its context, the Spirit can provide multiplicity, a multiplicity of applications from the meaning. And so, I mean, for instance, you take Jesus calming the storm. You know, we could talk about the literal storm, or maybe even about how God can, can move hurricanes and can move storms. But then we can talk about the, the more moral aspect, of spiritual aspect, about how God can move the theoretical storms of our lives. And we all encounter storms from time to time, you know, difficulties in life. And so there's a multiplicity of ways that God can apply these truths to our lives. So I think that's the beauty of Scripture, uh, that... Uh, that there is one truth, but there are multiplicity of applications. So I think that's part of the reason why, sure enough, as as your friend said, uh, we could read the Scripture over and over and over again and find something new, something new, a new insight, a new uh, understanding that the Spirit gives us pertaining to the text.
1: Right. Yeah, and it also clarifies, you know. I mean, he can virtually recite <laughs> recite and he just pops up Bible verses or the sections of scripture and he can just kinda start start talking about it without even flipping his Bible over he just burr, just goes and, and and basically like as if he's reading it. And it's and it's
0: I'm envious. I I'm good to have time awesome. remember my name.
1: <laughs> it is so awesome to have a conversation with him. But it's also like holy cow, overwhelming. It's like man, but it's it's coming from a deep inner well that is such a desire to know God and to know Him more every single day. And it's amazing to hear Him talk. It truly is. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So number four, this one here, there, there it is. We're, we're talking about all of this stuff and here, here's another one. Um, number four, we're going to talk about Bible engagement. I found an article... Um from uh, Rod Martin um, and he did it in 2015, wrote this article but it was a it was a I'll just kind of give a brief overview real quick, but it's an article about the engagement of people being in God's word um, a certain amount of time versus um, not being in God's word um, and, and how it's affecting their actions and the way they, Um, treat uh, their worldview and how they treat um, other people around them and and the decisions they make in their lives. So I'll just go ahead and read a good portion of this uh, article here, and I think you'll find it very curious um, in this. So um, I'll just start off here. Uh, A major study found that reading the Bible four days or more per week greatly affects the behavior of the reader. But the bad news is for Sunday Christians is reading the Bible three days a week or less barely affects the behavior at all. The study produced by the Center for Biblical Engagement examined data from over 40,000 Americans ranging in the age from eight to more than 80 and over a period of several years. The survey included both random samples of general population and of self-identified Christians with participants from virtually every walk of life. Though 9 out of 10 Americans own a Bible. That's impressive. Mm. And uh, a clear majority of Americans believe it is the inspired Word of God. A clear majority in every age group reads it sporadically at best. Only between a fifth read it one to three days a week. Just 15% read the Bible four days a week or more. Among self-identified born-again Christians, the numbers are better, but not so much as one might hope. Roughly a third told the researchers that they virtually never read the Bible, while 45% of teens and 32% of adults read it one to three days per week. On on the good side, almost 40% of born-again teens, that's that's inspiring, and adults read the Bible four days per week or more. For that group, Christianity clearly changed lives. It turns out that listening to God makes an enormous, measurable difference in how one lives. So, let's go down to the next part here. Uh, And it says... Controlling for others factors such as age, sex, um, church attendance, and so forth, those reading the word most of the days of the week were 50% less likely to get drunk, 61% less likely to use pornography, 68% less likely to engage in sex outside of marriage, 74% less likely to gamble. And it says here, uh, they were also two hundred and twenty eight percent more likely to share their faith two hundred and thirty one percent more likely to to disciple another person, and four hundred percent four hundred and seven percent more likely to memorize scripture. The big question of course is more or less likely than whom perhaps the study uh, has striking results uh, that it does matter for many key behaviors including Uh, Extramarital sex, there is no statistically significance between people who read the Bible one to three days a week and people who never bother to read it at all. So, I just kind of want to go into that, Brian, and kind of start talking about that, because it it not only just does it affect... um, What I'm seeing not only does it affect um, how we interact as far as sharing our faith and and uh, being able to uh, give answers to those people that those people that 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 have deep questions, but it also I I feel affects our prayer life. I feel that um, you know because it affects um, how we view what what we do in this world today. It also affects. how we interact with people just that that are not believers. And so yeah, I think it, I think this study kind of shows us kind of some holes in in what we are, what we need to do here.
0: And going back to some of the other issues in the podcast I think this very well may be the key root of the problem <clears throat> that that if if our lives are transformed by regular study of the God's word if we see the theological problems that we have uh, have encountered uh, we see all these different different issues going on then yeah that that is that's the root problem behind this we I think a lot of Christians don't know the Word of God I, I think if, if we were to tell Christians just as we mentioned before about the format that Jesus uses the format that even God uses with uh, the, the you know the divine counsel and and things of this nature a lot of people don't know that. Right. Um, you know and and so there's not a lot of deep study in god's word and so we're transformed by the things that we place value by in, in what that we place value so that's why jesus says you know we're for whatever uh, uh wherever a man's treasure is there his heart is also um right. and I think there's a lot of great truth to that
1: right and and i hate, I hate I hate the way this kind of makes it sound, but but in reality it is very true in in how we run and operate our lives and our families. We know more about the football players and the race car drivers than we know about God. Absolutely. And 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 what's disturbing to me is those people that are playing on that gridiron field, they don't know you exist they hope you exist but they don't know you exist they don't know your struggles they don't know who you are and what you're doing they don't know the name of your family the the kids but god does and that's and that's and that's disturbing to me and it it says later on in the in this article um it's it says uh um let's see here um but if you're doing haphazardly reading it, reading the Bible haphazardly, as most Christians do by this study, you're kidding yourself. You might as well just be pagan, <laughs> and, and that's that's a hard that's a hard thing to hear. That's exactly um, right. But but he's very true, very right, and you know, a lot of it. I mean, comes down to are are we are are we seeing a Spirit-filled person not engaging the Word because they're um, scared of what they see, or is it because they just don't understand? Well, we can help those that may just not want to understand or don't understand, but we can't help those that just don't want to be helped. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's what Bellator Christie is here for, is is to help um, help. Bring light to the scripture. Bring, bring a light to it, so we can understand the the deeper parts of what we're reading in there. Um, and, and I think it's important, even even if we don't fully understand what we're reading through the scriptures, keep reading. Absolutely, Just keep reading because it tells us in scripture very plainly. Tells us in scripture that the that the Lord, the Spirit, will bring up those those things. That we've stored in our heart, he'll bring up those things. The Spirit of the Lord will stir up that stuff as we're talking to people. All of a sudden, somebody may say one certain thing, and another person says another thing that that relate in Scripture, and all of a sudden, you get this click of, well, that's what that that's what that Scripture was talking about, mm-hmm. and and it puts it all together. But but if we don't have it in us, Brian. There's nothing to bring up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I think it's important and and uh, it, just being engaged with the word and and more than just the two minute, you know, verse of the day reading. You know, oh yeah. Um, well, know, and,
0: and, and I would scripture. say, and I would say, you know, the 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 verse of the day is good for those who don't have you know time to do anything else but we need to make a point to to get deeper in scripture I, and 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 that's just that's part of the problem and you know, we 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 have a you know cute little quote here and there but we need to get into the meat and potatoes of God's word and that's not going to happen by a haphazard looking uh, evaluation of scripture it's going to come by deeply Writing, having God write the law onto our hearts, the law of grace obviously, but having God write it on and meditating on the word of God
1: right, very good yeah, yeah that's good, that is really good so Brian we're on to our last uh, subject or last uh, last one here and we're going to have to kind of hustle on this one because we're, <laughs> we're clocking down on the time absolutely <laughs> but, but, but I want to cover stuff that's in the layman's manual which was written by our very own Brian Chilton, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to I want to go into some sections in the book that I think are really interesting to cover, and you know it's a topic that that we're kind of covering here. I tell
0: you, I absolutely. I tell you what, what we could even do is maybe cover a couple of things on this podcast, and maybe take another podcast to look deeper into some of oh, the sure. issues. Uh,
1: sure, sure, yeah. So. Um, on on page 118, you have chapter 13, and it talks about the archaeological evidence for the Bible. Um, and let's maybe go into, you know, a topic here that I think is really interesting. Um, let's go into the Dead Sea Scrolls and how that's affected our, um, our I guess, our, our belief or understanding of how the, how the scriptures actually have been preserved. Throughout
0: time, absolutely. So, so uh, for those who don't know, in 1940s, a Bedouin shepherd boy by the name of Mohammed Ed Dahib, uh, which means Muhammad the Wolf, um, he he found by accident a, um, a, a a threw a rock into a cave in Qumran and heard something shatter. And he and his cousins entered the cave to find jars that contained the Great Isaiah Scroll, a Habakkuk Commentary, and the Community Rule. And uh, they didn't realize what they had. In fact, it even went on the black market for a while. Well, not the black market, but it went into uh, the market in general. Uh, even on the, uh, I believe it was on something like there's a post in the New York Times early in the 1900s that uh, they didn't know what they had. Uh, but 1947 John Trevor of the American schools of oriental research compared the scrolls with other older biblical manuscripts and they were identified to be the ancient text of the Hebrew Bible and the community doctrine uh, documents at Qumran now interestingly uh, these are there are uh, a lot of things that we could discuss and I know time won't permit us to go into it but what they do show is the uh, one of the most important things is that they show that uh, the Old Testament uh, matched the, the the translations that we have now uh, the, the, the and in fact some some of the manuscripts matched almost identically to what we have now and so it verifies and confirms that the Old Testament we have now was the Old Testament that was that was that was in possession at least by the second century B.C., yeah. um, and I think I think you can even make a compelling case from there that some of these documents are are far older than what some liberal uh, theologians and Bible, liberal Bible scholars had posited originally. Uh, I think also you can make a case for the unity of Isaiah uh, instead of a. Deutero or Trito Isaiah that there was one Isaiah because the document was found as a one unified scroll uh, and it was one of the older ones too so bottom line is I think that this, this confirms to us that the Old Testament message is the same today as what it was in, in at least second century BC now dr. Randall price one of my professors at Liberty in 2017 uh, found some additional caves uh, they thought that they all the caves that were there were um, were were finished um, that, that it was all that, there, that they had but uh, dr. Randall price saw that uh, discovered that there were more caves he did find that there was uh, Evidence of some scrolls in some of these other caves. They didn't find any additional scrolls, but they did find, find the remains of uh, potsherds that had been there and were freshly broken. So uh, if you would like to help out the ministry of Dr. Randall Price, go to I believe it's the world of the uh, Let me type this in right quick. A world uh, of the Bible. World of the and it is. That is the one. World of the and you can go there. You can donate. Uh, you can find some of uh, Dr. Price's books, articles, uh, more literature concerning uh, his research and what he's doing. Dr. Price is a great man of God. I had a chance to uh, uh, eat along with her class. We ate uh, dinner in his home, and his wife Beverly, just a, such a sweet lady, met uh, his, his uh, son in law. And from Texas, just a great group of people, and uh, they have uh, a lot of great things that they that they're looking to do. But research like this takes a lot of money, and it and it takes uh, a lot of support. So WorldOfTheBible.com, go by and check it out, and uh, yeah. see if you can help out.
1: Look at the homepage. Uh, there's just a picture on the homepage. is impressive.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and he he does Israel tours too Uh, you know he he does Israel tours and there's all kind of different things that he does and uh, uh, just an incredible man and incredible ministry
1: that's amazing yeah so there's that and we can go into we can go into uh, the new evidence of this destruction at Sodom if we can cover that fairly quick
0: yeah absolutely uh, so th- th- this is very interesting let me find the page number on this um, 121 121 ok um, so they've recently uh, they recently went back to Sodom and Gomorrah and let me just say it's believed that so- that, uh, that a lot of this area is is underwater it's believed that uh, um Ancient Sodom itself is is under the Dead Sea, but areas around where ancient Sodom would have been located. So, not necessarily Sodom itself, but areas around the vicinity of where Sodom would have been located. Uh, researchers have found evidence that suggests that a ca- catastrophic incident took place around 3,700 years ago, and this multidisciplinary team got together and uh, and 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 found glazed potsherds in Jordan's tail. A tall El Hamam excavation project that specified that region that the region experienced temperatures high enough to convert the potsherds into glass now we're talking about this would have been something around fifteen point five million mile fifty point five miles turning into what uh, Oh, excuse me. A meteoric meteoric explosion would have disintegrated an area around 15.5 miles, turning what was once a lush, fertile area. Remember when Lot went there? This was a lush, fertile area, and there's evidence of that. It it turns this this whole area uh, it collided in collided in this area so strongly that the temperatures were so hot more higher than the surface of the sun that it took these potsherds and turned them into glass and so we're talking about something of a tremendous size producing tremendous heat to leave behind something like that hmm. just so That's happens it confirms what Genesis tells us right
1: and what's what's interesting is to this day that area is is barren
0: mm-hmm
1: can it won't grow anything now I, I'm, I'm just curious on how 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 has that been handled um, with with the you could say between archaeologists are they are they all in unison that this is Sodom and Gomorrah or this or is it uh, something that they kind of um, disagree on
0: well you're more liberal you more liberal you know scholars are going to you know try to find Ways to to argue. I mean, so I don't think you're going to have universal consensus on on nearly anything. But by far, the the general generalized consensus is that this is where Sodom and Gomorrah was. Uh, and there's there's evidence for suggesting that some of these that Sodom at least is in the middle of the Dead Sea. Uh, that it took a direct hit. You know, by by this by this uh, meteorite meteor, excuse me, and so so again, the vicinities around Sodom and Gomorrah uh, suffered this catastrophic fate. But just so happens to be that Zoar, the place you remember the place where Lot escaped up in the mountains, yep, Yep. it was not affected by this to the level and degree that these other areas were. So there again, it's it's very fascinating to see the. to see what happened I mean it's very fascinating confirming the biblical record
1: yeah isn't that amazing folks where the bible has been challenged in many ways it proves itself by itself
0: well just that's just to word, something, Doctor? P- go ahead I'm
1: sorry it just in the world just in the world of archaeology um, you know it moves around and people say well that never happened or that place never existed um, Twenty years later, somebody's kicking around some dust and dirt over in the over in the Bible area and uh, where the Bible was written, uh, where the Bible happened, and all of a sudden they find um, you know these things.
0: And the, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more. The, the things that are published are only a fraction of the things that's discovered, and the things that's discovered uh, is well, it's only a fragment of what has. Yeah, let me go back. The things that's published is only a fragment of what's been written on. The things that's written on is only a fragment of what's been discovered. And so the, the what's been discovered is only a fragment of what's out there. I mean, Dr. Price told us in class, and I'm not at liberty to say what some of this stuff was because there's not a confirmation, but he told us that there are reasons, uh, that there are other evidences out there that further confirm the New Testament uh, out there as well. Problem is is getting it published and get going through all the peer review process that's that's necessary to get it published. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there, folks, and a lot more that you don't hear about that's mm-hmm. that's lying in a warehouse or lying somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Very very fascinating.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff, folks. Pray for your pastor this week. I wanna I wanna hear I wanna hear stories. Um, I wanna hear stories of pastors being being uh, encouraged and loved on by by you as congregants. So let's get after that and be doing that. So we here at Bellator Christie wanna thank you for spending the time together with us. We value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith and strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and it's a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christi Podcast. Until next time, Brian and I say,
0: Soldier so on, wrong, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and bellatorchristi.com are protected under Creative Commons Copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristi.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristi.com now and submit your question. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christie Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting
1: BellatorChristy.com and the Bellator Christy Podcast.